Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of directed video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched The Five Heartbeats. The Five Heartbeats chronicles the steady rise in fame of a fictional R&B band in the 1960s. From their humble beginnings in Battle of the Band concerts, through their financial successes, they have to navigate a music business full of backstabbing, jealousy, and deceit in order to stay close friends. Screenplay by Robert Townsend and Keenan Ivory Wayans, directed by Robert Townsend, and released on March 29, 1991. Have you seen Five Heartbeats before? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did not know. Uh, I have not. I didn't know until like partially in, and I was like, "Oh, I've seen." It was when they had their uh, the the battle of the bands, like the first performance when they showed, or maybe it was the second one where the girls were like going over the top, like oh, okay. fainting and yeah, stuff. That's, I was that's like the second. Their one, second one. Basically. Because I was like, oh, I've seen this. Because I remember that for some reason. Yeah, my first, this is my first experience. My uh, my summary isn't very good at capturing the, the tone of the movie. It's, it's a mix. It, it's basically like a dramedy. I don't like that term, but it is a mix of drama and comedy. Because uh, it, it's just loosely based off of these Motown bands from the 50s and 60s. Yeah, there's there's like uh, references to things that have happened to a, several different groups in here that are like combined to, and yeah, yeah. In one movie and it and they have the the Dells mm-hmm. the group they were like uh, consultants for this movie and I think didn't they do some vocals? It's highly possible. I don't think anyone in this movie did their own singing. I get, because I was trying to find out, did everyone do their own singing? But I'm going to assume no. I do not think anyone did. Yeah, it's there. there's several bands that are involved. Obviously, the main one is the Five Heartbeats, and you also have Flash and the Ebony Sparks. And then you have um, a Bird and the Midnight Falcons, I think it is. Is like the the third band that kind of like is integrated into the plot in some way, <laughs> but yeah, it's mostly just a chronicle of like some of the trials and tribulations that a lot of these bands faced around that time, trying to deal with you know. They didn't really get into the the, the segregation aspect of things too much, but they did obviously deal they with touch... race concerns. Yeah, they touched. It's like they touch every trope that would happen to. A group, oh, I guess an R&B group in the 60s. I mean, they touched it a little bit, but then they just kind of, like, go on to the next scene. Yeah. They don't really... 
bring up like because the way when they become famous it's like over a span of like they they become real famous real quick because it's like two to three years where they're really famous Uh and then you know like everything goes into shambles yeah it's it's a difficult business and and they show a lot of different parts of like how it's difficult to get yourself established then it's also difficult at the top for various different reasons too and then it's difficult on the way back down um, you know, they, they show all those things, and yeah, it is. At times, it does sort of feel like a, a series of scenes because you have significant time jumps in between. Um, and it, it, you know, compared to other movies, it's a lot easier to get your bearings as to where they are in this timeline-wise, as opposed to I think like Ricochet was one of the ones that we had a lot of trouble figuring out. Like, well, what year are we in? Like, how long has it been since this guy was in prison? And you know. Um, but here in the five heartbeats they do give you some title cards here and there to say now it's 1967 or now it's 1972 but even without that you kind of can can quickly from the dialogue tell yeah you can tell even just by their the way they look and the clothes they wear yeah like you can tell what decade they're in yeah so it's it's a it's a very good progression in that Mm -hmm. in that way but it is almost sort of like a collection of scenes there's obviously a through line but i would say honestly like this movie is probably uh, the moments are probably a little bit better than the sum of its parts because it has some really good scenes yeah but the tones sometimes clash because it's trying to be comedic at times and it's trying to be dramatic at times and it just like switches its tone on a dime it's kind of I don't know. Like the, the through line, it's like too much of a roller coaster, I guess. Okay. It's, it's too melodramatic. Um, right. The, like even some of the parts that were over the top dramatic were still kind of funny. Like yeah. the whole part. It's hard to know if it was intended to be serious or not. I mean the the part where Big Red is confronted by Bird. Yeah. And then Big Red pretty much hangs him upside down out of the hotel room mm-hmm. and you know the st- like the whole fight is because you know bird is like yeah i want to check on my finances and big red is saying my hours are nine to f-. like that makes me yeah. laugh that hours are nine to five so he like they get into this huge fight Hank dangles him upside down of the banister of the hotel room like almost killing him, like scaring him to death almost, and then like they bring him up and he, Big Red is like my hours are yeah. <laughs> nine to five. Like it's funny because of that line, but it's also like very serious. Yeah, it, it's 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 this interesting mix, and that was <laughs> I mean, to people our age we think about like Suge Knight because we yeah. heard that that happened with with I think Vanilla Ice's crew. Something sure. Like I don't remember. Someone like was being hung up. Yeah, like, but also apparently that happened in in the Motown days too. I, I don't, right. I didn't write down like to who. Yeah, to who, but it is inspired by an actual incident that was reported uh, by people back then. So it has some. Yeah, these are truth. scenes taken from various R and B groups. So yeah, they're taking all the dramatic points that has happened to all of these people when they were famous. And it's mostly t- stories taken from the Dells, 
The Temptations, The Four Tops, Wilson Pickett, James Brown, Frankie Lyman, and Sam Cooke. But I was trying to find out... I guess they all kind of like intermingle and had the same issues because they all came up around the same time. Like all these artists. Yeah, you have this interesting situation where... If you want to make it big, you pretty much have to sign a deal with the devil in some way. Yeah. And I think that's probably why Big Red is called Big Red. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he's the only option that they have. They try to go to a record company person who is white, a bigger, bigger outfit, and he wants to take the music and give it to this pedestrian, you know, suburban white... Looking, barbershop choir yeah, looking like thing. looking guys yeah and you know it, well they it, are it, it, it's meant to be like the it's like know, we'll use your voices but their faces or just you write the songs for them yeah right because they they are marketable you are not uh-huh and, and they're like we don't want to do that and then we see yeah. that again when they release their album yeah and it's just the album cover is just a, a white family having a picnic or whatever. Right. And they're... The, the record label or the record company is just like, yeah, they're already being made. And, you know, we see that conflict where they're like, well, they're not going to see our faces. So when we do start to tour, they're going to see five black guys come on stage but it was also just like, yeah, we, you know, we don't want to scare anyone. Like, it's so stupid. It's like it's the stupid, reasoning. But it is like, <clears throat> but it's what it has happened. Time. Yeah, what has happened to these people that were in like doo wop, R and B groups, of that time. Yeah, because there there is a Mostly, huge contingent. Like yeah, still. people of color. Of people who would not buy records <clears throat> if they knew that the person behind the voice, right, had color in their skin. So, yeah, the record is not going to sell if we see that. That's pretty much their thoughts. It's yeah, like so if like, they okay. see five black guys on the cover of this, it's not going to sell. So that's why we're selling this <laughs> family <laughs> having right. a picnic so we can get some sales. But it's like they get sales anyway because I think at that point they're already like pretty famous because of that one single that they had. Uh,. Well, it, it, it's they're they're still on the road, like on on doing their tour with a car, right? They're yeah. not on a bus or anything like that. They're not on, in jets or anything. They're in their own car, all driving in like the same station wagon with like six, seven people. So not really that big and famous. Like you see that that scene with them playing that club, and they're all scrunched in the corner with the DJ who's mispronouncing their name. That's all started. This is all sort of like near the beginning. Again, like, these are well-written scenes overall. Like, that has, like, this big argument about crossing over. Mm-hmm. And the big argument is, you know, but, uh, like, should we cross over in the first place? And, like, what does it mean to cross over? Why do white people never cross over to us? Yeah. All of these types of, like, conversations that are being had all within this one scene that, um, again, like I said, like, it, it makes a moment that makes it greater than the sum of the whole movie, in, in my opinion. I don't know. It, it's But I think that that was just also, like, a... We see how Big Red is handling things in the beginning. Like, he, you know, he comes off as, like, this, you know, is your best friend. Like, yeah, I'll do whatever, but behind their backs, he's just, like, doing illegal deals and whatever. 
yeah, kind of pocketing their money. Yeah, stealing royalties and everything else. That's what Bird was confronting him about. Right. And, you know, I mean, you get the the idea that that's probably going to happen anywhere. But again, like, it's it's you have to go with the devil that you know because no one else will take you. So if you do want to take that next step, you have to sign with somebody and take your chances and hope for the best. It's it's a very difficult situation that a lot of these groups were, were put in. Yeah, I mean, even, I think, like, TLC oh, yeah, went through that. I mean, it sure still it happens, happens like, now. now. Just in a different way, because <laughs> you hear all these arguments about streaming royalties and, and, you know, percentages of what they get per download or play or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of different ways that, you know, capitalism can, can ruin the artistry of things. But this is less about that and it's more about relationships um Mm -hmm. there is the business side as well but these are we don't we don't really see the group forming when we when we get into the meat of the story we're going to 1965 new york city they are already an established band there are five friends who have been friends since they were like little kids which we learn as we you know progress in the movie so you know they are there Writer-director Robert Townsend plays Duck, who is now put into the band when he didn't necessarily expect to be because the actual lead singer, Bobby, is not present for this show. He's off gambling with Eddie, who becomes the lead singer, uh, and a bunch of bad guys. They try to cheat them, and as they're running away uh, after being exposed, Bobby gets shot in the leg and he cannot perform but eddie is able to make it on stage just in time yeah um even that scene when bobby and eddie are running away bobby gets shot in the leg and he's like oh my good leg yeah and uh, then and then like he gets like hit a few by minutes a car. later he gets hit by a car and he's like oh my other leg like you're laughing yeah. at yeah. that even though that's like a very serious situation yeah, like that's where that's where it's tough to sort of completely understand where the melodrama stops and where the comedy is supposed to begin. I think it's a very fine line that some of these scenes are straddling. I think that one's a lot more obvious. It's, but then, like when Don, well, Duck, like everyone has a everyone a has nickname. a nickname, and we don't get to hear most people's real names. But Duck yeah, because they actually call they Donald. call each other by their nicknames mostly. I think it's just. Well, it's mostly Doug Choirboy Dresser. The other two, Eddie... Eddie and JT. And JT, they go by their real names. Yeah. Um, Choirboy because he... Uh, yeah, preacher's he's, son. he's a preacher's son. And then Dresser... Dresser, I don't know why. Don't know why they call him Dresser. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't explain that. No. But, or, or if they did, we missed it. Yeah. It's just funny. Okay, so Doug, he's basically the writer and... He does all the lyrics, but also he he does the music too because he's mm-hmm. coming up with melodies and stuff like that. He's directing them as they're singing, mm-hmm. which I thought was funny when they would perform. They would be like talking on the side. They'd be like, "Okay, yeah." Like, wouldn't the audience hear you? Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, now it's your turn. Yeah, okay. And then they go back to singing. Yeah, that that also seems like kind of a trope type of a thing. It just makes me, it was making me laugh. Cause didn't that happen in the commitments too or you know they're on stage and trying to coordinate something or like, you know, no, you got to get over here, yeah, get out of my way. But blah, it's blah, like blah, as an audience, you're in the audience, you see them like bickering, like whisper bickering, you're like, "What 
the fuck's going on? Yeah. But the, so Duck goes on, and then all of a sudden he just automatically knows how to sing because he's now in this group with them. Well, I don't know if it's that he automatically knows how. He probably did know how, but he preferred to maybe take the back seat. Okay, and be a singer. Because there were five guys who were better singers than him, and he was okay with being the writer and the piano player. Okay. So now he has to do everything, and now he's part of this, you know, melody, and he's trying to guide people who are doing parts that they were not expecting because Bobby threw off off the entire uh, uh, cohesion of the piece. So without Bobby, now everyone has to take different parts and things like that. And so you're like, okay, now you do this. Now you do that part. Yeah, that's what Duck was doing on stage. He's like, choir yeah. by choir boy, come in with the high notes. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got Dresser, who's the baritone. And then, like, Eddie and JT, they're kind of like the, both of the lead singers. Because they kind of take the main. Yeah. yeah, Eddie is, but, like, JT also... Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, like lead guitar and rhythm guitar or something like that. Yeah, they know. both have similar styles, but they, like, take turns. But Eddie, yeah, is, like, the lead. So. But they lose, okay, so they lose this first battle of the bands, and. Yeah, that goes to Flash and the Ebony Sparks, who, who are stripping from, down. Yeah. <laughs> they're stripping down and, like, grinding on the audience as they go through that first yeah, report. Yeah, the whole, that whole team or group reminds me, they probably, well, no, because Purple Rain was before this. But, I mean, they probably also got it from the doo-wop groups. But I was thinking of Morris Day in the time. But the way that they were clothed and how Bird acted was kind of like, he was like the Morris Day of the group. Mm. And then the rest of the Ebony Sparks is the time. That's what I was thinking of. Bird is a different band than, we we don't see Bird Bird is the the singer. No, Flash. Oh, Flash. Flash is the singer. Flash and the Ebony Sparks, then Bird and the Midnight Falcons, or okay, Bird and the Midnight. Okay, the second one because that's when his girlfriend is the one that's like falling and fainting everywhere. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, yeah, the other lead singers, they all have they're very extremely like smarmy villainous hairstyles in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's like they look like uh like sixties. I don't know. It, like it, it over styled. Yeah, and, but it was giving me like I guess I go back to like yeah, like a Dick Tracy type haircut where it's that curl sort of. Yeah, you curl know that curly cue. Like plasticky look to it too. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to think. Because they, they both have that style, like the yes, they both have the uh, they're like the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> So the, like the quote, they're not even bad guys. They're just like, they want to win too. Yeah, they wanted to win too. And they're, well, I mean, Bird's willing to be more underhanded. Yeah, in Bird, that second. yeah, in the second one, Bird is like, well, I really want to win. So that's where he gets his girlfriend and her friends to, you know, like boo at the five heartbeats in the next battle of the bands and yeah. kind of get the entire audience to boo at them. Yeah, and not only that, but he also has, like, ins with, like, the people who run the, the, the thing, like, think... the judge is his cousin, and so, like, he makes up fake rules saying, oh, you can't use your own piano player, you have to use our piano yeah. player, who's, like, oh, yeah, messing yeah. up the notes and stuff. But I think at that point, is Bird with Big Red? I don't know. 
Okay, because probably, uh, but I because I know. think like maybe that's why. Well, in the second battle, the bands, you know, the five heartbeats lose again, and uh, Bird. Yeah, but but yeah, Big Red's in the audience in that one. Big yeah. Red sees them, but I think maybe he's already Big Red already has Bird signed up, but he also wants to sign up the five heartbeats because mm-hmm. he sees how good they did. Yeah, I- but. In the first battle of the bands, <laughs> we're like going back and forth, and I don't want to be confusing. But after they lose the first battle of the bands, they're Jimmy Potter, who's like in the audience and sees them, like how, how good they were. And he's like, Yeah, I want to be your manager. And they're kind of like, What? I don't know. Like, right sure but also kind of like we don't know who you are why are you like all up in our business but he's like and that's when he's like oh then i'll give you a hundred dollars if you if you lose next if you time lose the next time because the the winning prize is a hundred dollars and then yeah. He's like, yeah, if you don't win the $100, I'll give you the $100. So they're like, yeah, okay. And that's when they, he uh, does like a crash course with them. I don't know over how long of a period it is. Like a month? Like, yeah, I don't know. It, but, you know, there's a, enough time. But Yeah, he brings in a, like, I guess he, we don't really know this that much. But, you know, Jimmy brings him over the five heartbeats to his house and his wife is like why are you doing this again like as if he used to be a manager and kind of like failed yeah i mean she says as much like you tr- you, you you knew that this group was going to work you knew that this group was going to work you knew but, that this one and you lost and your ass on every single one of them yeah you, don't, you shouldn't do this again so why are you doing this marriage. again right yeah and she's probably like gave him an ultimatum like a million times yeah and she's like, why are you doing this again? And he's like, I know they'll be good and they'll be big and whatever. But he just has to teach them, you know, some moves and, you know, harmonizing a little bit more, whatever. And he brings in his friend to teach him how to dance. Yeah, Sarge. And Sarge, yeah. They're all like, what's this old guy going to teach us, you know? And he gets, they all get owned by his <laughs> dance, by Sarge's dance moves. And that's when they show like this montage of them practicing for the next Battle of the Bands. Yeah, it's like a black and white photo montage of them rehearsing, which is interesting because... The movie kind of kicks off by Duck getting the mail in present day and seeing a Rolling Stone cover that has like a Where Are They Now Mm -hmm. for the Five Heartbeats. So it's a good way to integrate that whole situation of like, look, there are these behind the scenes photos that, you know, a lot of people, especially at that stage of their career, would probably assume would go nowhere, you know, like, why are we taking these? But then they become, you know, really fascinating pieces of history it's, yeah it's, you know, when it's they like a where bigger. yeah like a behind like what mtv used to have like behind the bands or behind the music where it would be in black and white sometimes sometimes i mean yeah depending on the reenactments or whatever but that's the only time that that happens it, right the, the photo montage or even really any montage to be honest 
Yeah. Um, well, because after that, it just like hits off. Yeah. So yeah, they go into the the bigger concert, and you know, um, the the girls who are booing uh, get turned because like okay, so the the, the piano player is playing the wrong notes and eventually duck just gets shit tired of it yeah and he runs and like pushes him out of the way and starts playing everything they the band that's the house band shuts everything down so they're no longer playing music at all and then the five heartbeats uh basically have like a single spotlight on them and they go into the crowd and just like sing a cappella and win the crowd over yeah it, it seems as if you know they're like how they used to be like a barbershop quartet quintet working and i don't know in they new said, york i forget exactly were like, what they said they're like let's do it like we did in the tunnel I think in the tunnel was. so like so, they're in the train tunnels singing like yeah, yeah. a barbershop quartet or yeah. quintet at that time you know, like, kind of like like boys to men started off like so it's just let's do it how we used to do it in the tunnels that's so that's we know how they started off yeah like when they're teens or whatever and you know all the people who are booing like especially the 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 girlfriend and Bert's the girlfriend <laughs> is like she's trying not to be swayed and then she just but goes she's getting over the like top hardcore and, like, turned on by their singing swooned and is convulsing and faints it's like her their reactions were making me laugh well especially yeah. just her because she's like in her seat like <laughs> just convulsing but i i mean that's kind of like what you see when you see older footage of like i don't know elvis and like girls are like falling and fainting over themselves it's yeah, like that, that <laughs> like that over the top situation and it's mostly just from like jt and eddie kind of singing cuz they're kind of like the crooners and the, and the better and, of the singers and JT's like the huge ladies man yeah JT's like the ladies man he's off trying to be with every single woman he possibly can including right. taking things from his brother Doc as, as much as right. thing, women <laughs> from his brother Doc as much as humanly yeah. possible so so yeah he's trying to to woo the ladies and they're falling over the cell and then the entire crowd is now cheering and you see Big Red in the crowd, who's like all excited for them, and that's but they still lose to Bird. And that's when um, Jimmy's like, "Okay, I guess I owe you a hundred dollars." But then they all go to this club, where they're kind of like, I don't know, they're not really sad. I don't know, they're all just like hanging out after they lost. Yeah, but but that's when they get confronted by. Big Red saying, hey, I really liked you guys and I want to represent you. And that's when, you know, Jimmy comes in and he's like, they know each other. Uh-huh. And he's like, Big Red, whatever. I, like, they're old frenemies, basically. <laughs> like, we, we don't really know their history, but we also do. Like, we don't right. really know what happened with the falling out and now they know each other again type of thing yeah but that's when the i don't know the five heartbeats just like take off running basically they they release like that one single that gets them very famous and that's when they find that 
like we see JT and Duck sleeping in bed with like all their siblings and they hear their song on the radio and then you know everyone's all happy and then they start to go on tour but you know it's not like a major tour because they get their own like station wagon with just their name on it and they have to drive themselves it's not like a tour bus Mm -hmm. and we don't really see like you know we see them being confronted like they're in the south obviously getting pulled over by the cops and then you know like they're on to their next destination and we just see the cops, you know, obviously pull them over because, you know, Duck is driving and they're all like goofing off and stuff. And, you know, they pull him over and Duck's like, I didn't do anything. They just pull him over because, you know, they're in the South and, you know, two white cops and, you know, they see five black guys. So they got to give them a hard time. They go through all of their luggage and they're like, well, if you're a singing group, sing something. Yeah. Yeah, this is another one of the, the big scenes that I was mentioning here, too. Like, it's... The ones that, like... I mean, they, there, there's, like there's they other all... scenes, too, but, like, you know, these two in particular, I think, probably resonated with quite a lot of people. Yeah. And it's it's easy to understand why, because, like, yeah, the racist cops pull them over, they tell them to sing, and they're extremely reluctant to do so, but they also understand that they have zero power in this situation. Yeah, they and they're, to come out of this they're singing, but they're, like, that they have to huck angry and, that they have to <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah, they, they have to shuck and jive and everything for the, for the white man. Right. And, and like, it's, it's demeaning, it's demoralizing. Yeah. You can see that in their faces as mm-hmm. each one, like, decides to... to to do this uh to to prove themselves as actual artists and it's just you know it's half crying while they do it it's it's a really yeah it's like a very i mean it's like a poignant scene but then we don't see like much of the aftermath after that because they just we see like immediately after they let them go but then they're all just kind of like silent on the road but the next scene after that is basically big red like Here's five cars. Pick a color. Like, you guys are bigger now. Well, I mean, yeah, I think the argument about crossing over takes place first, but yeah. Like, I think, like, very shortly after, it's sort of, like, it kind of, it builds to a head where they talk about, like, the crossing over and, like, the album cover stuff and, like, well, why can't we show our own faces on our own album? Like, it's it's all kind of interlaced and interrelated. Yeah, they only show, like, I guess that part where the whole racism over a matter of like five minutes and then it's just kind of like okay you're famous now and now you're able to like like we don't see i don't know what i'm trying to say well i, I think it's the other thing of... that is important is i don't remember if it was jt or if it was eddie who said this but it, it's also like well why do we care if the white people listen to us it's not necessarily for them it doesn't right. have to be for everybody but why it's does like it matter? don't you want them to also buy records because you'll buy twice the amount of records or something like that i guess it depends on what that means for your artistry and what yeah, yeah. and your soul too and that's that's they're like do point. you want the, the thing like, that's do what they just want success then yeah you got to sell out a little bit unfortunately because that's just the sign of the times mm-hmm. like, but if you don't care about like the financial side of things then and, you know 
you just want to be recognized as these five really good singers but you know yeah if you think that they'll lose your integrity by doing that then no you don't need to chase that we don't really see them you know like battling with it i don't know what i'm trying to say no you're right i mean it's very true like there's just a couple scenes where where it's brought up and then for the most part it becomes a non-issue which is like they overcome it in like five minutes even i mean overcome is a different word than uh, or accept uh, it i don't know no yeah i understand what you're saying like they find the success because yeah, like, after those scenes, like, yeah, it's just, okay, now they're more meteor, yeah, meteoric rise, and you don't get to see some of the other conflicts, it, it becomes, again, more about the relationships more than anything else, and I think that's fine, like, you don't have to make every, you know, just because there's racial stuff in the movie doesn't mean that, like, that has to be the entire movie, it doesn't have to be, like, a green book, right? Yeah. Because, um, boy, was that something. Uh, but you know like how we saw in the Josephine Baker story how she was treated I mean that was like like, a constant through line throughout her life pretty much it's like even though she was still like the most famous singer in the world in like the 30s she was still being like treated horribly only when she went to like America I guess there's a lot of different stories that could be told here and you got to fit them in. So touch on the key subjects. I mm-hmm. think they handled them very succinctly and also very poignantly. Um, and then, you know, let's learn about these five plus people more. And I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes on. I think really like everybody has their moments. Obviously like Eddie's is the biggest one because mm-hmm. he is the lead singer who is also the drug addict uh, yeah. Again, like a, a lot of a lot of the the stereotypes of like you know the, the lead person getting or the rock and roll person getting into drugs, right? Just and especially and, and yeah, the leader of the band or group, because he's so like big headed because he's like I'm the leader, so I can yeah. do whatever I want. Yeah, and you know he becomes an alcoholic and starts doing cocaine. And starts lashing out or doesn't even, like, arrive at these shows to, to the point where the the other four are like, hey, you gotta, like, shape up or we're gonna... That's when we get this whole conflict where, like, we're gonna replace you because we can't do four... Everyone wants to see the five heartbeats, not the four of us. Well, also, so, like, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie forces their hand because he thinks Jimmy is out to get him. Yeah. And so but he even, signs an individual record uh, deal with, with Big, Big Red. Red. And so they're basically forced to go with someone else because Eddie's, you know... Yeah, he's the leader. He, he's he's no longer necessarily in contract with them, and he is uh, unreliable. Yeah. So for a while, Choir Boy becomes the lead person. Yeah, Choir Boy, like his storyline is... too, which is very short and brief, but it yeah, is there. It's kind of like choir boy like he was sort of becoming the villain in a way but then also not because yeah, it's, it's more like he's he's just rebelling against his father who's this preacher and his preacher doesn't want him to go on tour because there's too many sins and and you know yeah, yeah of being temptations like a, out there yeah and so he's like you know 
and he tries to call him on the phone on the road and, and you know, yeah, he has an argument and he leaves the Bible at the payphone, which shows, yeah, I'm leaving my religious life behind, mm-hmm. obviously. So, yeah, he there is a point where he goes to uh, Jim, Jimmy, saying, you know, we don't really need Eddie because I know all his parts and, mm-hmm. you know, that becomes a whole thing, like, as if he wants to be... Yeah, like he's trying lead. to... And there's, point, there's like a point where he's at a party and he goes up to a girl and she doesn't really know who he is until she like points at a photo of him with the five heartbeats and he's like, yeah, I'm the leader. I basically... Then he lies and says, you know, I wrote... Like, yeah, I basically the, write everything. I basically do all the lyrics and write all the melodies and songs and whatever and I'm also the lead singer and this group is here because of me. And, like, he see you see him getting that girl, I guess. But then that's kind of, like, it. Yeah, except for at the end, when we go back to present day, and you see that he's now back in the church and, and you know, doing his yeah, best Yeah, like, he goes back that. to that. But, it, but we don't see, like, him going full villain, I guess. Like those... <laughs> well, I think, I, I think the reason that's happening is to set up that, that big confrontation near the end where you see Doc looking out the window at Tanya and choir boy talking to each other at the car with, yeah you know to make you think okay well there's like they're together but yeah i mean when we so, get there yeah yeah but i mean to talk about the other person dresser he really doesn't have like any conflict at all he's sort of there to be a support or really just to be like let's get the group together let's keep the group together yeah he's kind and, of like, like he's the he's the almost most... like the glue at the time yeah. for the most part but like he also like is very the most level-headed rough, rough with Eddie because of well, cause, you know like, he thinks that that's the only thing that will get through to him. Yeah, um, I mean, he's showing tough love. <laughs> that's what. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He so he's yeah he is the glue dresser, but he's also like the most level-headed because he's been like he's not like out getting chicks like how JT is, and Duck, Duck is just like more into like wanting to write more music and songs and whatever like he's into the fame but not it's like not in his head like how it went to went to with like choir boy or even eddie and like dresser has like the same girlfriend since he was like really like in his teens or whatever and they have a kid yeah that's his big conflict is like i have to leave the group because my girlfriend's pregnant and i don't have the money yeah. with the, the shows that we're doing right now and so like they have this heart to heart conversation in the hotel hallway where Dresser and, and Duck and, and JT uh, well JT and Duck give him some of their money their share of money yeah. so the Dresser can be because they're all you know they're family they, time, they've been together for you know yeah at that time they were still lifelong like friends. up and coming they yeah weren't... they're still up and coming and they're all lifelong friends they don't want him to leave just because of that so like you know again it's a matter of finances versus Right, but the, you do see that, you know, they, they are, he doesn't leave and they're still together. Yeah. But, it, but it, like, like, once Eddie is already not even showing up to the shows and, like, just going off and doing drugs and drinking and, like, causing fucking havoc with everyone, that's when Dresser, like, really just, like, threatens him. Yeah. He's like, you're throwing your life away, basically. And the whole thing with Eddie is that he's, his father 
is like you're not gonna be shit because i'm not shit yes and you are like me yes so very stereotypical mean drunk type person that we saw in like straight out of brooklyn yeah um we were wondering if American fiction stole that quote from this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. As part of pretty much the same verbatim reenactment but, that he's writing I mean, that book. Yeah. So there's that side of his that's his struggle where, you know, he's like going through this depression and just doing drugs and drinking to, you know, be numb or whatever. Because he's yeah. trying to even when he did the battle of the bands and is singing at the top of his lungs. His mom is, you know, like, she stood up and she's, like, praising, you know, like, yeah. God or yeah. whatever. And then even his dad is just, like, you know, whatever, like, shaking his head, like, yeah, you're not anything. Yeah, Eddie goes on his decline overall. And, like, his, you can tell, like, his voice is getting raspier and raspier as time goes on. He's falling farther and farther into the, into the depths. Um, Till yeah, then we get that whole thing with Big Red. Yeah, so yeah, like Jimmy. Jimmy is um, confronting Big Red as well about financial issues and and basically like trying to keep Eddie with the band because you know it's all a big family to him. But Eddie doesn't like Jimmy at all mm-hmm. for reasons that are probably because Big Red put thoughts into his head yeah um and and so like it all sort of culminates in in that big red is using his strong arming techniques to try to get jimmy to sign over the band as a whole all of the management stuff that he's doing big red wants to handle now and if he doesn't he's being threatened yeah and uh it 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 turns into a actual thing where you know a truck eventually comes by in, in, in a hit and run and, and smacks, you know, into Jimmy and, and kills him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he says something to Jimmy about his wife, too. Like, you know, yeah, like wife he basically really threatening, good. Yeah, he's yeah. Right, basically threatening his wife, Eleanor, uh, saying, or, yeah, whatever. And so, but there's nothing that Jimmy can do because right. pretty much the very next scene is, is Jimmy... Um, finding himself in the middle of the road, uh, getting hit by this car or pressed up against his own car. Yeah. Um, then yeah, you know, we have that funeral scene. You see Big Red come in with these fake crocodile tears, saying, yeah. you know, whatever. He goes up to his wife, to Jimmy's wife, Eleanor. Eleanor, and he's saying like, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I'll do any if you need a like. A shoulder to cry on. I'm here. And it's then like, yeah, she, you should not be alone in this time. And she kind of, she's just like, get the, basically like, get the fuck out. Yeah, like, like she knows that it's she, his fault. Yeah. Like, she definitely she, knows that she, it's his she's fault. She's not having his shit. And then, like, Bird, this is, so he leaves. You see Bird look over his shoulder. Yeah. Like, she know, he knows what's, what's, what's what. He yeah. knows what's happening or what happened. Yeah. But unfortunately, <laughs> but, like, we don't get a resolution to that. Not really. You see, you just see like paper, like newspaper articles saying, you know, Big Red is the murderer yeah, of he, Jimmy Potter. Yeah, so I don't know if like Bird like ratted on him or well, something. Yeah, or I whatever, mean that's but... what I'm assuming just by that look. But I mean, how like what evidence did he have? That's what I was like. How did 
right, how did he it all know? Together? How did Bird? That's right. but I mean, we automatically just see that, and then you know, Big Red is gone and out of the picture. Mm-hmm. But then like Eddie feels like shit because he feels like he Eddie feels he's like responsible. he's responsible for Jimmy's death, and that's when he just like just goes deeper into like this. Depression, drinking, drugs, and then eventually leaves the five heartbeats. And And then then Flash comes over. Yeah, Flash comes in. Um, And then we see the... This is like the late 60s now. Yeah, it's at 1972 when they show their performance where they're going into like... Not disco, but definitely more of a funky... funky Yeah, we see like they're doing newer like pop music i yeah. guess it's not very like soul or r&b it's more poppy i guess yeah but um i don't know and then so you they're see, still like, doing well but. yeah you see flash being like the one that everyone likes now like but mostly the women and, and then jt doesn't like that he's jealous yeah jt's thing is like he wants everybody to love him like yeah like, which with without ever saying such in the movie but you can see like his he has a big conflict uh, complex about you know just he needs to be the one who is loved. He needs to be the first and foremost in everyone's like, heart. You know, like when you have a boy band, he wants to be the cute one, like that all the girls like. And yeah. so now that Flash has joined, every, all the girls are like, "Oh, Flash, whatever. He's the cuter one or whatever." Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot of like smaller interpersonal conflicts as well, um, but the, the the main one is the one that kind of leads to the the end of the movie, where um, it's between the brothers. It's between the the brothers. Tanya, who is someone who is introduced very early on, and there's like a little thing of of Duck trying to to woo her by leaving poetry at her door, but she thinks it's from some other guy. And doesn't know who he is at first until the big, you know, five heartbeats start to hit it big, and then she comes back into the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you think that there might be something silly going on there too. Yeah, eventually, like they, you know, they're they're in love, they're going to get married or whatever. JT is wholly against it. Um, yeah, because he's this like, this where... made me laugh because he's like, you barely know her, and I was like, they knew each other when they were like. In their early 20s. Kind of, but again, it was sort of just in passing. I guess. Like, but, they had a couple, they didn't date back then. Eventually she's like... But they like, were dating for, I don't... They see, didn't date until after they were big. Yeah, but then they're dating. Yeah, they're dating they know for each a couple other. years probably at yeah. some point. Um, but he's like, yeah, you barely know her. Yeah, yeah, he's but, just trying to make excuses. Yeah, then we, he just... Yeah, so that's getting into Duck's head. He's like, oh. So then he kind of like, he see there's a point where he's just like looking out the window and he sees Choir Boy and Tanya Tanya talking, but they're kind of like having a serious talk, like crying and yeah, hugging. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't look like it's a very, you know, like they're close. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it wasn't affair-ish. They're not like embracing. It looked just like like consoling. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's happening is Choir Boy is consoling Tanya. Yeah, so Choir Boy knows what's up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's probably confided in Choir Boy and then Choir Boy's like in the middle not telling Duck what's going on because he knows about Tanya having an affair 
and he's just like consoling her but anyway anyway duck just follows tanya because he's gonna see where she goes after she like hang like is with him yeah she's expecting to catch um choir boy with tanya yeah he's expecting that but then he sees that tanya is going to his brother's place jt yeah and on the way you hear a little news report about eddie had had been shot by the police in a robbery attempt yeah so and it's like just kind of like a a, like not mentioned at all like duck does not acknowledge it at all it's just for the audience to like here's a little update on what happened to eddie because we did see like an earlier scene of like eddie confronting the band after a show trying to like get back in their good graces and, and become friends again but they're like yeah, it was clear he wasn't clean and ready yet. Yeah, and so I they think kinda he kind of wanted to join off. the band again, or the group. And Yeah, he's like, look, I can still sing, and he can't. Um, and it, also, he was like, like, you know, he basically just wanted the friendship. He did, he, like, he was rejecting the money that they were trying to give him. But, like, he's yeah, like, yeah. He the, wanted some support. They, they feel bad, so that they give him money, and they're like, he's like, I don't want to be, like, your charity case. So he gets, like, pissed, but then yeah. we don't see, so basically see he anything. just yeah. goes we, we off. We just see Choir Boy, like, give him, like, a card and be like, call me. But that was yeah. it. So, yeah. But, yeah, we... so, yeah, JT and, and, uh, Duck confronting each other. Right, so Duck realizes they don't. They don't necessarily confront each other. It's just like Duck realizes that Tanya's cheating on him with his brother JT. So they go into like this uh, record ceremony where they're being presented with their gold records, and uh, Flash announces he's leaving the band for a solo career. And then shortly after, everyone's giving their own individual speeches. Duck also leaves the band because he's talking yeah. about all the deceit and heartbreak. Um, and how he's going to be a That's better writer like, now that he's had yeah the breakup of this band basically. um yeah and so yeah like he breaks or group it up. I don't know yeah say breaks band. it up with with JT and also with Tanya and then that gets to us present day right. So really quickly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why I, I so it went from like the seventies to like the the early nineties. Yeah, yeah I, I would assume that we're probably in 91 or so. So, yeah. Because like, we see... He's opening up that mail, and he yeah. choir boy invites him to church, and he's like, I have a really good surprise for you. Can, can you come to this, this uh, whatever yeah, the uh, sermon event. that I'm going to have. But, yeah, we see that choir boy is, you know, he's now back at the church. And... Dad's still alive, too, so he made up with his dad. Yeah. And... You know, choir boy is leading the choir, and then out comes Eddie, who's singing with the choir. As well as Baby Doll, the girlfriend who had been very supportive the entire time, who we haven't mentioned one time. No. (laughs) Eddie's girlfriend, Baby Doll, uh, who was also a singer in the original contest. Yeah, in the Battle of the Bands, she was one of the groups that lost. And then we kind of see her come and go because she's just really sad and seeing Eddie and yeah, his she decline. can't do anything to stop his downfall either. And she just she leaves him, but then she tries to be there, but then she eventually leaves him. But then you know now they're back together, mm-hmm. singing in the choir together, and then and then you see uh, all of them get together for a barbecue at the end because like um, Eddie. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Eddie tells Duck, you should call JT, like, he's your brother, you should try to make amends, and so, like, they had not spoken for years, 
yeah, like ducking a good JT finally or whatever reconcile in in a park um, where you know JT has now settled down. He has two kids, and uh, one of them is named Duck, which was like a through line of the movie as well. Um, and then you flash forward to a barbecue and you see Flash it's, is on TV with a bunch of white people, and then they yeah, turn it off. Yeah, but it's just funny when. It, Duck is like he goes to the park to see JT and he's just seeing JT because JT's playing with his kids and he's just standing there and one of the kids is like, "Daddy, who is that? Yeah, who's that <laughs> man? Who's that guy looking at us?" Yeah. But then also like when after the sermon that Eddie sang with with Baby Doll, yeah, Eddie says he's now um, managing some bands and he's looking for. A right, like a yeah, they need a some lyricist music. and music writer or composer, I guess. And he's like, "Are you interested?" And then they're all at the barbecue. Yeah, and then they get together again and perform for the people at the barbecue and whatnot. Um. Yeah, and then the kids, like JT's kids, are into f- like they're fans of Flash, and he's like, "I don't want you watching this shit." Like yeah. you know, like he's the old man saying, "I don't like my kids' music." But yeah, you and, know. And, well, but no, I think it's also a subtle commentary to show like Flash, who is like this guy who is just there to take advantage of the fame. He's now on TV with a bunch of white people. Yeah, like he's not, you know, like he lost his integrity by chasing the money. I guess. Is yeah, it's just like he's a sellout. Yeah, so yeah, don't watch that shit. Um, <laughs> uh, then you see like these two uh, like Eddie's uh, group and they're like doing it's very like um, run DMC like they're trying to be like a is that a Eddie's group? I don't think that's Eddie's group was I, it? no cause it, like it's the same it, it's the or same two people f- who are like they're uh, friends yeah I think it's just like friends or hangers on cause they had okay. more, they had other scenes earlier in the movie too where you know, they're trying to get into the So they're business. just, like, wannabes. Yeah, it was kind of oh, like a okay. recurring joke, right? Because, like, in, in, in one of the oh, scenes... Oh, yeah, because yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, those are those guys are my cousins. Right. Those, yeah, th- yeah, these two guys, like, they would go up to the girls and be like, yeah, the five heartbeats, they're my cousins, trying to get, like, clout or whatever. Right. And okay. Then, yeah, yeah. So those, those, <laughs> those two guys those are them. I thought yeah, yeah. that was, like, no, the... They're group eddie was like managing no they're just trying to like get their side hustle they're like oh no we're we're gonna be rappers but we're yeah. older so we're gonna rap about older people stuff yeah. like you know like this is our hook it's, it's okay. killer man it's killer yeah. it's that kind of thing like generally speaking either way those are their two major hits nights like this and a heart is a house for love and then they have the other one I, that that he writes with his sister in the room which is like a very like stage musical like scene where he's like running around the room finding different scraps of paper to f- put together yeah, a song. I, I really like that scene, and I read that they were gonna take that scene out, but because it is very cheesy though. But I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, well, one, like, I think that that little girl is probably the only person who is doing her own she's real like, singing. Yeah, yeah, and she's a fantastic wanna, singer. Yeah. Um, like really belts it and then like patty labelle does the the final version and, and the end credits of that song yeah and um the song is good too i i think that's my favorite song yeah we haven't finished yet this is the name of the song that that's the hit in my opinion but it, that's not yeah we see a, this is like before they're huge and duck is like man i can't write a, the next hit that they have and 
that's when she's clean. The sister is just cleaning the room, and she's like, "Well, why don't you just piece all these? It's easy. It's, like, it's easy. Just take this part, and then you and punch then, and this then part." And then the I thought I liked that scene. <laughs> I, know. I know, but it is also kind of like cheesy because he's like running to different drawers and like digging in trash cans. And he knows exactly where to find the next words. Uh, yeah, I just you read know? in like the trivia that Robert Townsend like fought hard to keep that scene in mm. and I'm kind of glad that he kept it because I just liked seeing that because you can see like the how that family is like a very musical and talented family yeah and, and supportive too yeah um I it but also kind of is a, is a good encapsulation of the movie where it is you know a little bit of over the topness a little bit of humor you know it, like this is a mix of genres. There is a lot going on in this movie, and it, it, it does do that roller coaster tone thing. Boy, I'm trying to see, like, between, like, this and the commitments, it's such a weird, like, you know, because they're similar in, in structure. Yeah, in the commitments, they're like a cover band, though. Yeah. I mean, like, the, I, I like this one more than the commitments, I think, because you don't have to waste the time on building the band. Yeah. You know, with, like you can yeah, just sort of get into the commitments, they were like just coming up, but yeah. then just shit hit the fan. And then it's like they never really became huge. No, they never ended up becoming huge, but like you spent all this time and then there all of a sudden there's like five people in the band like, well, where did they come from? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so this, I don't know, uh, that was a little sidetrack, I guess, but. I don't know. Like, there, there's a lot. There's a lot that we could talk about this movie. We're going to talk a little bit more about the pop culture side of things uh, pretty soon. But why don't we get into the cast and crew and box office award stuff? How about that? Because this did not make its money back, unfortunately. I don't think. I think it probably became more of an underground hit uh, afterwards. Um, because I I have heard of this movie. I know it's been talked about a lot and referenced. When I was younger, I thought this was like a real. A real story. About a, a, a real story. Mm. I thought this was like a a biopic growing up. That's what I... I mean, now I know it's fictional. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like a that thing you do right. situation. But younger, when I actually saw it, I was like, who are these people? Yeah, very much like, <laughs> like but, that. Do, yeah, right? it's... Which would come later, obviously. Fictional. Um but only only a couple awards to to mention here. It has an Image Award nomination for Outstanding Motion Picture, and then also uh, for the ASCAP Film and TV Music Awards, it is a winner for Most Performed Songs from a Motion Pictures, uh, Four Nights Like This, written by Jesse Johnson and Keith Lewis, which is shared with uh, Stevie Wonder's song from Jungle Fever, and also uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So it, it's such a weird award most performed songs from motion pictures so not the best but this is this is what was played the most so okay <laughs> that happened um that's why i was confused i thought that was like the biggest hit because that was the one that got played the most on the radio afterwards uh robert townsend the writer and director and also duck image and spirit nominated for his feature debut hollywood shuffle which he self-financed also image nominated for his acting work on The Mighty Quinn. As a director, he did Eddie Murphy Raw. He did Meteor Man, BAPS, the TV show Diary of a Single Mom, also done episodes of Black Lightning and The Wonder Years reboot. Um, several of those things he also wrote. As an actor, he was in Senior Trip and Streets of Fire before this. He did the TV show Parenthood, uh, and he's also been recently in episodes of The Bear. Uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans, 
is the co-writer who also co-wrote Hollywood Shuffle. Um, Six-time Emmy nominee and one-time winner for In Living Color. He also has Stinkers and Razzie nominations for White Chicks and Little Man. Uh, as a writer, he's also done I'm Gonna Get You Sucka, Low Down Dirty Shame, and The Last OG. Uh, Michael Wright played Eddie. He was in Streamers, The V TV series, Sugar Hill, Money Talks, and Oz. Leon played JT. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, he was image nominated for his work on the Temptations miniseries. He played Little Richard in the Little Richard TV movie, which Robert Townsend also did. Um, All the Right Moves, Colors, Cliffhanger, Cool Runnings, Above the Rim, and a whole bunch of other stuff. He was in the Madonna Like a Prayer video. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, he, he was I in that recognize as well. Recognize him. I think he also had a role in Oz for a couple episodes. Um, Harry Lennox's dresser he's had a, a long career now too image nominated for keeping keep the faith baby and also commander-in-chief he's in 1991's victimless crimes he was in mo money clockers titus matrix reloaded and revolutions in the tv show dollhouse and also the blacklist and he also directed a stage version of this show there's a, a play version of the five heartbeats which he directed tico wells played choir boy he's in 1991's mississippi masala He's been in Universal Soldier, The Relic, Trespass, and also the TV show Waynehead. Uh, we didn't really talk about the character Eleanor Potter all that much, but um, you know Jimmy's wife was played by Diane Carroll. Oscar and Golden Globe nominated and Image Award winner for Claudine. Emmy nominated for The Sweetest Gift, Naked City, Julia, A Different World, and Grey's Anatomy. Golden Globe nominated for Julia. Grammy nominated. Uh, a couple times over, Image nominated for uh, Having Our Say, Soul Food, the TV show, uh, White Collar, and also as a Tony Award winner for No Strings. So, uh, legend of her time. Uh, Sarge was played by Harold Nicholas, who was part of the Nicholas Brothers dancing team, who did a lot of uncredited work on films from 1932 up through like the 50s. Um, so like he, I guess maybe possibly a vaudeville act with his brother. Yeah. You know, did a whole bunch of stuff with. Uh, this is like one of his first like actual acting roles, and it's actually his last movie too. I liked his character. I yeah, I really he's, liked his character too. He's like this. Um, he was married to Dorothy Dandridge for. Yes. He he was a very charming like um, asshole, not an <laughs> asshole, but like you know like. I don't know, like, like a hard ass, not really. Yeah. Like, he, he, yeah, he also did tough love. He wasn't mean about anything. He was like a sarcastic <laughs> yeah. uh, old codger. Yeah. Uh, Big Red was played by Hawthorne James. He's in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. He played a Iago in Othello. He was in 1991's The Doors. I don't know where he was because there's a million people in that. Uh, he's also been in Speed and also Heaven's Prisoners. Uh, Baby Doll was played by Troy Byer. Uh, she was one of the original kids in the Sesame Street TV show. Okay. Which is weird. I'm <laughs> like, I was looking at the ages, like, would that line up? And apparently it was. At four years old, she was one of the very first people, uh, kids to be on Sesame Street. Um, she's now a doctor of psychology and author of various different books on that subject and does TV appearances for that. Uh, but on the acting side, she's been in Disorderlies, Weekend at Bernie's 2, John Q, and also Murder 1. 
Uh, and then we have two more to talk about. We got Wild Rudy is John Witherspoon, uh, who was the Battle of the Bands MC for the first one, mm -hmm. and also he was the one who played the records on the radio. John Witherspoon, yeah. also in Hollywood Shuffle, of course. Uh, Richard Pryor show House Party one, unfortunately not two. One of the the key omissions in that uh, Vampire yeah, in Brooklyn. He's like the. He's like one of the better parts. Yeah, one, in, in like, a good movie, yeah, he's yeah. one of the better parts of House Party yeah. one. Yeah, because he's just like the the ornery neighbor that wants to shut down the party. He's perfect in that role. Yeah, um, Vampire in Brooklyn Friday. The Friday series, uh, the Wayans Brothers TV show, where he played Pops, and then also the Boondocks TV show. In 1991, he's also in Talking Dirty After Dark, and also Killer Tomatoes Strike Back. So between those oh. three movies, he got, I guess he didn't have time for House Party 2. Uh, I like him in Boomerang, too. I mean, yeah, he pretty much plays like the same type of dude in yeah. like every movie he's in. Which is fine. Yeah. Um, and then the last person I want to mention is Cookie. Uh, whose name may not be, sound familiar to you, but it is that girlfriend who was booing, mm. the lead booer who got turned in the performance, yeah. uh, played by Casey Lemons, who is in 1991's Silence of the Lambs, also Before the Storm, and also a TV show called Undercover. Um, she's also acted in things like Vampire's Kiss, Candyman, Fear of, Fear of a Black Hat, but as a writer and director, she went on to do Ease Bayou, Black Nativity, and Harriet, and she was also the director of the most recent Whitney Houston biopic. Hmm. So that's her booing I, up the crowd. I also read that Whitney Houston was going to be baby doll. Like she was, they offered it to they her, offered, but she but declined because she... it was too small of a role. Yeah. But that would have been interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, she's... I don't think a tro did Troy Byer did her own vocals. I don't think so. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't uh, know if she's known for being a singer on top okay. of everything else, so. Yeah. But yeah, they probably tried to get some singers and then eventually didn't. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I mean, it's, a, it's a good celebration, good cast. And one of the other things I liked about this movie that I, um, I'm not sure if you caught it at the end of the special thanks part of the mm -hmm. credits, there's a... Um, scrolling through it he basically gives a special thanks to all the different black filmmakers as well and so like he lists a bunch of different people like spike lee and julie dash and all these other people and yeah. you know his little mention of that so i thought that was a really nice touch that's all i got let's move on to true crime and pop culture yeah i only have a couple of things but this movie was released on March 29th, 1991, which was a Friday, and it was also the same release date as Career Opportunities and The Unborn. Oh. <laughs> Such a weird... Well, The, Unbo I mean, the Unborn like, was not you released You have some good theaters. variety, at least. Yeah. The Unborn was not... That was, like, straight to video, wasn't it? I don't remember. I think it might have had limited box office. Okay. We, we have all the movies that we've watched listed in box office order on our website if you go to the fun list section, so you can check there. If it doesn't show up, then it wasn't. Yeah, the, unfortunately, yeah, this the budget for this was like $10 million and this movie only made 8 But, I mean, I, it has become kind of like a cult following Yeah, I think it has legs. I, I, yeah. People reference it a lot. I know it was like in the De La Soul. Um, and they're... 
music and their lyrics. Yeah, like they, they took a clip from one of the scenes and put it in front of their, one of their songs. So stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about the soundtrack a little bit. That was re- The soundtrack was released on April 2nd, 1991. And it was uh, by various artists. And some of the songs they do credit as the five heartbeats mm-hmm. or bird like the fictional bands yeah they're on the list of songs and like bird and the midnight falcons and then but they would also have their major hits like a heart is a house for love that was sung by billy valentine and the dells and then yeah billy the song valentine that, was the main the lead singer vocal. yeah because yeah. the actual credits of the movie also do give the, the vocal performers at the end yeah so i remember seeing that name and the song nights like this is on the soundtrack is is sung by the group after seven okay. and then that song that the sister sang was sung by patty labelle that's we haven't finished yet but both Nights Like This and A Heart is a House for Love became top 20 hits on the Billboard R&B singles chart in 1991. And the After 7's version of Nights Like This won the film the ASCAP Award. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was talking about. Okay. And then this... Um, it doesn't say when, but uh, this album eventually got certified gold after uh, releasing over 500,000 copies. But it doesn't say, like, I'm assuming, like, a year later, like in 1992, they probably got certified gold. But the other songs on there are the songs that were sung by Bird and the Midnight Falcons, The Baby Stop Running Around. Mm-hmm. There's the nothing but love. That I think that's what you're talking about. That I've, is the I, one. Yeah. The, I've got nothing but love for you. That was their first hit. That was their first okay, hit. Okay, yeah. nothing but love. That was that's sung by the Dells with Billy Valentine, and then the I feel like going on, which is the um, the song that was sung in the church with okay. Eddie and Baby Doll yeah. and the choir. All the music is good. It's not. Yeah, I like, like all of the music that they sang. It's That's not why I thought super, they were a real group. It's not super, but, super memorable, though. But um, it, it was kind of odd to see that this was not nominated for an Oscar for, like, or, you know, like, never nominated for Best Original Song on anything. But, I mean, this is, like, the year of Beauty and the Beast where yeah. you had, like, three songs from that that got nominated for everything because. Yeah. Disney. But, okay, and then also I saw that Robert Townsend is possibly... You mentioned that they did a play, so... I don't know when that happened, but yes, they did a play. They did a play, but now I was I saw a few articles. This is on Playbill.com and then also in Essence Magazine that Robert Townsend is in the works or in the talks of making a musical based on this film. Okay. And that is as of 
October 2020. So I don't know uh, what's been going on in the past three and a half years. I mean, that's that's the hip thing right now. Is yeah, like it's a turn everything. Rebooting I mean, things into musicals. I mean, yeah, even when they were talking about Soap Dish. Right. Remaking yeah, that. Yeah, we talking about Soap Dish, and we've seen that with Mean Girls. Go to a musical and then back to movie. Like, it's... I mean, yeah, I can not? see it. Again, the if music they use is, the is if they use the original right? songs, yeah, he said he's working on the stage adaptation with Kenan Ivory Waynes. Uh-huh. So they're both apparently working on it, but I haven't seen anything after twenty twenty on what's going on with that. I don't know. We'll see what happens if if anything. Yeah. Some of this is slow burns. We we talk about like the Jordan Peele people under the stairs reboot, and apparently that's still possibly on in the yeah, worst it's couple just, years later. Like whenever like people are in the talks moving. of talking, yeah, or it just like kind of never happens and it fades away. Right. There was something else. Some where... people just put that into the, oh, the yeah, media they were gonna... just to hope to. Start yeah, the they were gonna make like a fried green tomatoes TV oh, show. I yeah, remember yeah. that, and I think that kind of just like. They just shelve it. They're just like, yeah, yeah we're not. I don't no. know. Like, there's too many remakes or revivals of things, I guess, and not many. I don't know. People are interested in that or whatever, or just like production companies are like, yeah, we don't want to see that. They want something that'll skew younger. You right. Don't chase the. the I mean, yeah, they age, even just redid like the color purple. They did right. The, they did the Broadway ver- just how Mean Girls is right now. They did the Broadway version. Yeah, the musical, musical. movie version of the musical reboot. Yeah. So now that's like, what's going on? But I mean, this would have to go on Broadway first to do like a, <laughs> a movie version, of the Broadway play <laughs> yeah but i mean i could see it being you know like, like jersey Reed. boys has been around for so long like why not the five heartbeats oh yeah i would 100 you percent know? see five heartbeats over like jersey boys <laughs> right all right so let's move on to rankings and ratings then uh where on your one to five star scale are you gonna put the five heartbeats i'm gonna give this a three three yeah my zero to four star scale i don't remember what i gave the commitments but again i do think i like this one more overall i didn't hate the commitments though like that's the thing um i'm gonna say this is a three out of four as well like there's it's a little disjointed in terms of the tone but overall i really enjoyed it i like the music i think i don't know there's a lot there a lot happening every movie's worth watching once would you watch it again yeah i would watch this again yeah i would too i would too i i, I want to see hollywood shuffle now okay because so, i haven't before I don't know if you have. No, I don't think so. But I mean, I'm I'm very curious about that. Uh, see where he got his directing start because I know that was like self-funded and it's like it's sort of like a commentary on the industry in general. So like I think this is kind of an extension of that. Um, but yeah, I would definitely watch this again. It's it's fun with good music. What more do you want? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if you out there do want to watch the Five Heartbeats as of this recording on January 2024, it's available on uh, Max. Digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. Uh, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind. Or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies, long show notes, and more. 
Next week is our Valentine's Day episode, so we're going to watch Mystery Date. It's on Tubi, Pluto, Roku Channel, Hoopla, VHS, or DVD. We'll see you then. Peace.